Are you at a point in your life where you're really not feeling it? The career you've chosen, the business you have, it's not as fulfilling as you wanted, yet maybe to the outside world, it looks like you've got it all together. You're living the dream and inside you're feeling like there's a deeper calling that you're not paying attention to and everything is pointing you towards actually doing that and tapping into your calling and making a bigger impact in the world. Well, that's what my guest on Untapped has to share with you today and some specific ways in which you can do that for yourself. Are you tapping into your potential? Are you then taking that potential and turning it into a purposeful and profitable online offering so you can impact more people, share your skills and expertise and make a dent in the world? And are you doing this while living a life that fills you with purpose, happiness and opportunities for growth? This may all sound too good to be true and I am telling you it isn't. These are the big questions that I seek to answer on The Untapped Show, a podcast for go-getting humans who know that more is possible for them in life and who want to make real changes and live up to and beyond their human potential. In this weekly podcast, I share nuggets of wisdom on how to do this, combined with inspiring interviews with everyday humans who are doing this right now so that we can all learn from each other. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a best-selling author, podcaster, blogger, lifelong learner, triathlete and lover of handstands and who took her humble blog back in 2010 and somehow managed to turn it into a multiple six-figure business by creating different revenue streams based around my skills, talents and knowledge and I know that this is possible for you too. So every single week that's what you're going to hear here on this podcast to give you inspiration, motivation, strategy and tactics to do this for yourself and to lead a purpose-driven life. So let's dive in to this week's show. So my guest today is a beautiful lady, Lucia Giovannini, who's from Italy. So I thought I'd try out my accent there. She actually is a former supermodel who was living this career that was super successful and it looked like all a girl could hope for, yet she was still feeling really unfulfilled. She went on to start several businesses, which you'll hear about in our interview, and then she went on her own healing journey by completely changing her life, absolutely everything in it, so that she would actually be more on purpose and tap into this calling that she had for ages. And what I love about this discussion and conversation with Lucia is that very few people that I know have had a calling from a very young age, and she was just so clear on it. And then she did what so many of us do. She sort of put it to the side. She put it to the side so that she could focus on what seemed real and a good way to earn money and kind of got pulled into this career without really wanting to be in it. But then she found her way back to her calling and she has some beautiful exercises and methodologies and just ways that you can do that for yourself. So if you're in this kind of place right now, I know you're going to be inspired by this interview. And we cover off on a lot of things. So do listen in, take notes. And if you want to come across to grab the show notes and links that we talk about, it's at nataliesisson.com forward slash 031. Now let's just dive in. Well, I am definitely thrilled. I think I have my first Italian guest on the Untapped podcast today. So I'd love to welcome Lucia Giovannini. So fantastic to have you here. Where are you coming to us from today, though? So thank you, Natalie. I'm in Bali because I live half of the year in Italy and half of the year between Bali and Thailand. And now I'm in Bali because I'm about to lead a retreat here. Oh, beautiful center of Bali. Yeah. Ubud is, yeah, it's one of my favorite spots. And I'm sure most people, when they heard that, just went, ah, oh, living the dream, which makes me realize when I was traveling around the world all the time, people would always go, oh, I want to be where you are. That sounds amazing. And here I am now in New Zealand going, I want to be where you are. So what's the retreat that you're about to hold? Maybe we can just dive straight in with what you're about to do. Yeah, well, the retreat is called Spirituality, Vitality, Wellbeing. And it's a retreat that I hold in Thailand in February and in Bali in August every year. And it's about refinding your spiritual connection. And of course, in those places, it's much easier and um, learning tools to maintain that spiritual connection in your everyday life once you're back and, you know, letting go what hinders you, what doesn't serve you anymore and putting the basis to create the the new life you want. That's basically Mm. what the retreat is about. 
Wow, that sounds fantastic and what a great place to be doing it. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit of how the heck did you get to where you are today doing what you're doing? So maybe we can just backtrack a little to the very varied career and path that you've taken. I understand that you actually started out modeling kind of by accident. And can you take it from there and do tell? Yeah, well, I can take it even even uh, further because actually this call, you know, the call to help I mean people but not just people help the world become a better place because in reality when we are working on ourselves when we are doing spiritual work and self-development work we are helping ourselves but at the same time we are bringing good vibrations to the planet and so we are helping I mean all living beings but this call I've had it since I was a child like I really had this deep desire to do something to end suffering possibly or at least well, this diminishing, but not just for us humans, but for all the other beings that share this planet with us, like animals, trees, Mother Earth. And so when I was a child, when someone would ask me, what are you going to do when you grow up? I would answer, I'll do anything to make the world a better place. That will be my job. But of course, I when I, then I forgot, you know, about this. <laughs> when I was in college, I ended up working as a model and it started, as you said, it started out by chance, but it soon became a full-time career. So at the beginning, it was awesome. I moved to Milan. I'm from Italy, but my hometown is Bologna. So I moved to Milan. I was traveling the world, like working in Paris and Barcelona and Madrid and um, New York. And, you know, and I, I even worked in Korea. I worked in, in Australia for Valentino. So, you know, this beautiful life, living in a beautiful home, earning a lot of money. I got married to a dashing man who was also a model. But even if I was living the perfect life, after a while, I started feeling depressed, empty inside, like my life had no meaning. I tried to numb my pain in every way I could. I worked even more. I started three companies in the fashion industry. I traveled more. I went shopping more, partying more. But of course, none of that worked. And I was telling Funny myself in the fashion industry as well. Yeah, yeah. I started a, um, an agency for models, mm-hmm. and then uh, um, a school for modeling, and and a company that would, you know, take care of fashion shows, organizing everything, you know, behind the scenes and uh, photo shootings and all that for for like designers <laughs> who wanted to have, you know, their own fashion shows or their own photo shooting. So yeah, wow. I mean, and I was. I was like 25 years old when I started all these three companies. And yeah, it was because, you know, I needed to be busy in order not to think. Mm. I needed to to do and do and do in order not to be. (laughs) Because being was not enough. It's like I was not enough. It's like just being me was not enough. And so, and this pain I would feel, as I said, I tried to numb it any way I could, like not to feel that pain and and when you know when you keep yourself so busy sometimes you manage to dis- get distracted you know to to focus on what you're doing and then you don't feel the pain but it didn't it didn't work because in the long run because every night i would go to bed and i was i mean with myself and there the pain would come out again so and of course i was lying to myself because i was saying that i didn't know what i wanted that i didn't have a clear picture in mind of you know my goals but it was not true because deep inside myself i knew that then depression was the pain was my soul calling to follow my true mission but of course it was too difficult to admit it even to myself because it was too scary it would have meant to leave all my certainties to leave all you know that all that i had created and I went on like this for a, for a few years, actually. I tried to resist the change, finding every excuse or good reason, of course, because the more intelligent we are, the more those excuses we call good reason, you know, why I can't change my life. You know, I, I used to say to myself, okay, but I have these three companies, how can I leave them? And now there are people depending on me, you know, like there are people whose salary depend on me. I can't just you know, leave everything and go away. I am not responsible if I do this, you know, Mm -hmm. all this. And so, I mean, my depression was really getting worse. So one day 
I just decided to leave everything. I left my marriage because my ex-husband was also my business partner in the companies. Mm. So I left my marriage. I left my beautiful house to my ex-husband. I left my three companies without taking any money or shares, which was not <laughs> very smart. But And I went back to my hometown. And it was not easy because at that point, People would ask me, you know, friends would ask me, okay, but what are you going to do? And I, I mean, I had quite a clear picture of what I wanted to do because I wanted to be an animal advocate, you know, animal and environment advocate and a spiritual coach. Mm. And you knew that then, you just knew it. Yeah, I just knew it from inside, you know, like if someone would have asked me, okay, even before making that decision, I started feeling that inside, you know, but I just didn't want to admit it to myself. But if someone would have asked me, if you weren't afraid, if you didn't feel fear, if you weren't afraid, what would you do? That's the answer I would, you know, immediately have. I just uh, want to, um, I just want to yeah. ask you something there. So it's interesting because you're probably one of the few people I have met, you know, virtually, who really had a very clear calling when they were young and then chose to sort of not ignore it but forget about it or come back to it later but so much of what you went through as you've just pointed out was because you weren't staying true to this calling and the depression and the sort of anxiety and the busyness was all covering that up how many people do you meet now in the work that you do that you can spot that very quickly would you say that I mean you can't give percentages I guess but how many people do you feel you meet who are not being true to their calling? Lots. <laughs> a lot. So I meet lots of people who say, I don't have a clear calling, okay? They say, as I was saying, I don't know what I want. I don't have a clear picture. But when I dig deeper, you know, with some simple coaching questions, reality is that exactly the exact same mechanism that I had in place you know, they are not telling the truth to themselves because if the fear was not there, they would know. So well, most of the people, and I would say probably 70%, there are, of course, there are like some people who are really confused, but 70% of the people who actually say, I don't have a clear picture in mind of what I want. I don't have a true calling. In reality, they do have it, but they are too scared to admit it even to themselves. And they've probably never really taken the time to write it down or to really dream about it. I have an exercise that I do with my clients called the painted picture or the vivid vision. And it's really getting clear on where you love your your life, not just your business, but everything, your life, your health, your relationships to be in three to five years from now. And most people, when I give them the exercise to do, they're like, I haven't even thought this far ahead. I haven't dared to dream. I haven't dared to imagine. Or or they're like, oh, I, I really know what I think I'd love to do. But as you said, too scared or it just seems too tough, like too hard. So to those people, and we'll come back to your story, but to those people when you meet them, what is the exercise that you take them through to actually get them to believe that it is possible? And then on top of that, how many of them are prepared to sort of give up everything to make that happen? Because I think the scariness is leaving the security behind and launching yourself into the unknown. Yeah. So one of the exercises I do is called the vision map. And it's a process that I developed combining the vision board, the traditional vision board, you know, that comes from coaching exercises and uh, the mind mapping from Tony Buzan. So mind mapping for those, I mean, who, who are not familiar with it, it's a technique used in many companies, used in many schools, and it really mimics the brain functioning and it was developed to actually help the brain work better, to help the brain memorize better or absorb information better. Because you start, there's a focal point, a central point, and there, combining you know the vision board, it's where I ask people to put their names, and then there are branches. Like visually, it's like a sun with, with the central point and the rays and the branches. Mm, okay, beautiful. So each branch is an area of I mean, your life, and then there are sub-branches. So the main branch is the what. For example, in my case, it was a spiritual coach, animal advocate. And then, of course, health, you know, being healthy because if you're not healthy, it, it's difficult, you know, to pursue your goals. 
And then another one was a relationship because at that point I was alone, <laughs> just got divorced. Another one for me was getting a new house because, of course, I'd left my house, etc. So the, the biggest, most important uh, goals of your life in that moment. And then there are the sub-branches and the sub-branches are the how, the when, uh, like the resources you need, the why is that important, etc. And so it's drawing and words together. Combining drawing and words helps, you know, to actually synchronize the two hemispheres, the left brain and the right brain. And uh, since uh, the way it's laid out, it's really the same as, you know, it mimics the brain functioning, like how the neurons communicate with each other, with the axons. And so it's really... The writing and, and drawing. Yes. And also the, the template is like, you know, like a, a neuron with all the, the axons, like a sun with all the rays. And so it's really very powerful um, and it, it's a powerful communication also to the unconscious mind. That is the direction you want to give to your life. And, and so and while people draw, are drawing, they sort of tend to lower their defenses, you know, their resistance mechanisms. And so lots of, you know, dreams come up because, of course, we've all been taught or most of us have been taught to stop dreaming, you know. Stay with your feet on the ground. What are you dreaming of? You know, stop dreaming. You have to be responsible. And so if, if a five years old says, I want to be an, an astronaut when I grow up, people say, oh, nice, nice. But when a, like a teenager, let's say 14 years old, say, I want to be an astronaut. I mean, most people would look at him and say, well, come on, be serious, you know. <laughs> And so we are, in a way, we are conditioned to stop dreaming, as you said, and, and then we lose that capacity. But if we stop dreaming, then we stop our creation power, we stop our ability to create our life. And we limit ourselves, exactly. Yeah. So um, I know I threw two questions at you in quick succession. So when you take your clients now through this this vision mapping exercise, do you feel that it instantly removes those barriers of I can't do this because now they have a very clear visual and written and even oral guide to make it actually feel like it's possible? Well, partially, yes. Mm. yes. <laughs> um, not totally, not totally because no, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's really tough. Sometimes it means, you know, letting go of what you've built so far in your life and it triggers a lot of fears you know financial stability you know especially if you have a family you have to take care for i mean lots lots of stuff comes up so of course there are several tools that i use because at that point the first step you know to create your own new life is clarity but then you have to have the tools to actually now you know what, what you want to go and you, have, you need the tools to actually go there so uh, and develop the courage that's the other thing one thing that is really helpful is to start slow and small, like starting with little steps. So what I did was really, you know, a huge thing, like, like letting everything go, like my marriage, my, and I would not advise people to do that <laughs> unless it's their call, unless they really feel, you know, they need to do that. Yeah. But normally, like, for example, I have lots of, since I have six different coaching schools, of course, I have lots of, you know, new coaches who are still doing another job for living and they uh, want to jump and go to being a full-time coach. And of course, again, it, it's a jump. So there are some people who are ready and just do, do it like this, but most of them don't do like this because it's too scary so for example what we look at with them is what is the you know minimum step so and it may be like an hour a day to do something for your new coaching activity uh, it may be i don't know prepare some advertising or do some more training or do some coaching in order to you know uh, like start your business etc etc even just one hour a day and because that is not scary as a new coach, if I think, oh, I leave my full-time job and in order to be a coach and I will and I will just leave all the income that I have just to jump and, and start my career as a coach is scary. 
if you say, okay, I'll keep my full-time job and I'll just devote one hour a day to, you know, preparing and building my new business, that is not scary. So it doesn't trigger resistance because the problem is, and I found it on myself, I experienced it on myself. If you jump it totally, I mean, then all resistances come up. And the bigger your vision, the more resistances you have. And the resistances come in terms of, you know, you're not good enough, you never make it, what have you done? And I got to a point in my, in my, in this decision when I started this, this journey, I started to doubt myself because it was not that, you know, I went back to my hometown and there I was and I started my career as a coach, very successful period. No, no, I mean, for probably the first couple of years, I struggled a lot because coaching was not known at all in Italy. So people didn't have an idea of what coaching was. So I, you know, like I struggled to have clients and my savings were dwindling down very fast. So I found myself like asking, okay, what am I doing? You know, am I really, I mean, have I really taken the right decision? Has God abandoned me too? Instead, if, if you start with little decisions, one after the other, then it's easy because at the end, maybe of one year, you grow your, I'm just making this example, but the same is basically for everything. You grow your new life and starting slowly to shed your old life. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not always possible. So I don't think there's, you know, one size fits all solution. No, uh, but that's similar with how we both just jumped straight in and made massive changes in our lives. But you're right, with that comes a whole lot of things that it throws up and a whole lot that you have to deal with. Whereas most people, as you mentioned, if they just take it one day at a time with incremental changes and, as you said, just investing in the life that they want, it really can happen yeah. quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. That, 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 that's the thing. And 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 the 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 secret is that the point is that you don't in that way you don't trigger resistance so you don't find yourself you know with with huge um like like emotions or um, thoughts or conditioning beliefs that come up and then you have to deal with them because you know you're just doing it slowly slowly so this is something and of course as i said for some people instead they need like like me and and you they need to 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 do it all of at once um (laughs) yeah it depends we are not all the same yeah i mean when you do it all at once the good point is that you burn the bridges behind you so there's no turning back (laughs) at that point you've taken your decision and i mean there's no turning back you have to move forward and Yeah, that's a big motivator. Don't have the backup plan. Um, And there's lots of schools of thought on that. I wanted to ask, so when you sort of made the decision and you'd you'd taken all these big leaps, divorce, house gone, businesses sort of sold off or stopped, what made you choose coaching? How did you get into it? Because I think this is something that I hear a lot of people about, you know, the coaching industry as it is today. And I appreciate when you started, it may not have even really been known as well. But today, there's a very fine line between life coaches who are very early early on in their life, maybe even only 20. And a lot of people will say, well, what life experience do you have versus actually just being a really, really good coach and a qualified coach who's done certifications and hours of training and really understands all the tools and methods that you can use to help people find their own answers. So what drew you to coaching to be able to make the change that you wanted to see in the world? So I, um, so the first thing I did actually, while I was still modeling, I went back to, I went back to uh, school and I finished my doctorate on psychology because, well, my passion has always been also anthropology. So uh, I finished my anthropology and then the doctorate of psychology. But at the same time, I didn't want to be a psychologist. I didn't want to work as a psychologist, at least in the, in the how can I put it, in, in the traditional sense. And that's why I, I, cho- I chose coaching because uh, then I, of course, I also went to, through a, a few coaching, cert- different coaching certifications because the idea behind coaching is that the person has all the capacities. He or she just has to be, you know, helped to put these capacities together. The person has all the answers. 
he or she just needs to be asked the right questions. Whereas uh, in my experience in, in psychology, there's a lot of you know thinking that the person somehow is broken. And of course now, I mean, I'm talking about 25, 26 years ago. So luckily things have changed since then because there's a, a whole new a positive psychology field now. I mean, there's a lot of this happening also in psychology, luckily. But, you know, that was the main difference that made me choose co- the wording my, my teachings, coaching rather than psychology. Because I, I wanted, like, people just to feel, I'm okay. I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't have anything wrong. I just need, like, you go to a gym, you don't have anything wrong, but you, you hire a coach so that a coach may help you to train better at the same, and you know, to, to develop more flexibility or more muscles or whatever you need or lose weight. But there's nothing wrong with you inherently. And the same concept, I wanted to apply it to, you know, the psyche of a person. There's nothing wrong in you. You're just going through a tough period or... You just don't know how to use your, your talents and capacities or your thinking processes. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah, that's the difference that made me choose one's, one instead of the other. Mm. But I'm really glad that you did both because you were able to see that difference and see the strengths in both and be able to apply them and use them when you're coaching people. And it's great that you really threw yourself in in an immersive experience and came out the other side of that. So can we strike forward to you attempting to grow your coaching business, slowly running out of money from the life that you'd lived? You've invested all this time, this money. How long did it take you between sort of switching lives, so to speak, and training up to be a coach before you actually started taking on clients and starting to earn money? Was it like a year or? Well, yeah, a couple of years. Let's say I started attending seminars when I was still a model because, you know, of my inner pain, basically. (laughs) And so I got fascinated by that world and I started attending more and more and and starting attending not just, you know, like one day, two days, three days experiences, but also several certifications. I became certified in a Heal Your Life by Louise methodology, in NLP, uh, neurosemantics, so in several um, firewalking, breathwork, in, in several methodologies. And in the meanwhile, I like probably, let's say after the Louise Hay and the NLP uh, certifications and the breathwork certification, I started, you know, like giving workshops or giving sessions. But at the beginning, as I said, it was not easy at all. Uh, so I had very few clients. And I actually remember once I was attending one of these retreats, one of these actually trainings, teachers trainings. And uh, at that time, uh, there were no cellular phones. Cellular phones didn't exist. Uh, emails didn't exist. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a time when that happened? No. So, Maria Pigeon was still around though, right? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, before um, uh, leaving to attend this training, I had printed lots of leaflets, brochures of my new workshop. And I had put all these brochures around in my hometown, like every bookstore, every organic shop, uh, everywhere, every restaurant, everywhere with my telephone number. And so, like, a couple of days later, I leave for this training. And at that time, as I said, there were no cellular phone, but we had a thing that was called answering machine. So people would leave you message in the answering machine and from a, with a remote listen to your answering machine. And um, so the second day of the training, I listened to my answering machine. And the answering machine says, you have, like, 15 new messages. And internally, I go, wonderful, wow, you know, people want to enroll to my, to my workshop. Then I listen to them one by one, and not even one was about, you know, my new workshop. They were all old clients of me, like, you know, who wanted to hire me as a model. No way. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, during the training, uh, one of the questions I had asked, you know, spirit was, spirit, give me a sign. Is this my true path or not? 
<laughs> and here I get this sign. Okay, 15 people wanting to hire me as a model, none wanting to, any, any, even not just enrolling, but even no one asking for any information about my workshop. <laughs> I say, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, but I decided to, to interpret this sign as, you know, like the universe playing with me. You know, Native Americans call this the, the coyote energy. When the universe plays trick with you just to see how committed you are. And so I decided to interpret these signs as just the universe playing tricks with me. I wanted to test my commitment. So I say, okay, universe, thank you, but no thank you. I'm not going to accept those offers as a model because my new job is going to be spiritual coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I really love that. And then I love that you, I mean, clearly that was also your path, your calling, your inner determination and feeling around that. And um, sometimes I think the world comes and tests us by saying, hey, you know, absolutely nobody clicked on this thing or took you up on your offer. But often that just increases the determination. The first time, at least, if you can't take a couple of knockbacks or you can't or you take that as the very first sign that you shouldn't be doing it, then I think you're often giving up too quickly. Sure, if you'd gone on for three or four months and there'd been absolutely no takers, then that might have been a better sign for you. But I think you just had such a strong inner sense. So, okay, this is just the first step and maybe I need to change a few things or I need to try again and again and again. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes you just need to, to change your strategy, you know, to change mm -hmm. your communication or to change to get more resources, inner resources, in yeah. terms of new, you know, develop a new paradigm, develop new beliefs, or sometimes it's external resources, like having yeah. someone who helps you. And I'm and now I'm not just talking about you know developing a coaching career, but in general, I mean mm -hmm. any any project, uh, an important goal we have. So yeah. <laughs> that's why so, I'd say it's not been easy no and so I'd love to sort of know you've now written several books they've been translated into eight languages you're regularly sort of featured on um, tv and interviews which is a fantastic you're running these retreats around the world so how if you don't mind sharing how has the path been from just starting out with some workshops and coaching clients into this full-blown online and offline business and um, where you do have courses and coaching and products and resources what what was the path and how long has that taken you and I really love hearing this because so many people at the moment are so interested in the quick way to scale the quick way to get rich the quick way to be living your dream life and if I hear anything over and over it's that there is no quick fix it is absolutely about consistency showing up determination day in day out and just really continuing to chip away at that rough diamond until it becomes this beautiful shining sparkling stone and that takes effort and time yeah I totally agree I totally agree so it took me around 10 years mm -hmm. uh, before uh, publishing my first book oh, and right. so, yeah 10 years so we, which is not as you said which is not you know an easy and and, and short uh, uh, process it took me actually around three years to write the book and then I think that that book changed everything for me because it became a super bestseller in Italy and then it got translated, as you said, in many languages, et cetera, et cetera. So it was totally a game changer. But again, the reason why I wrote that book is just because I wanted to share my story and I wanted, it's a book about change, okay? And it's a whole new life. So there were so many people that were struggling, you know, to get, the new life they wanted uh, either uh, the new life it may be like new relationship or new job or you know change something in their life and I thought okay I mean of course I can reach many people but you know if I write a book the book can reach more people and so it will be a sort of you know my gift to the world my legacy to the world and I put together all my experiences I put together uh, several experiences of the participants uh, who had come to my workshop at that point. Um, all my studies blending Eastern and Western philosophy. And that book, when it got published, it, as I said, it changed everything because it became very popular. And from there on, uh, it's where lots of people started coming to my retreats and it was a little bit easy. And I say a little bit because... Of course, you know, there are always challenges 
in life. That's part of life. So then I started creating a whole new life facilitators so that they could, you know, uh, give give the the workshops and help more people. I'm just curious about that. So you were running your own workshops and then you started training up trainers and facilitators. How did you initially go about finding those people? Were a lot of them coming through your own coaching program? Yeah, yeah. They were actually, the, the reason why I started is because they asked. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> some of them actually started teaching uh, just reading my book and teaching the, the, the concept of the book. But of course, you know, they didn't have the, 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 the depth knowledge, the knowledge in depth about the methodology. So I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. I mean, I, I, I'm flattered. It's okay. I'm more than happy, but at least let's have like a proper training. Um, and, and so that's where I started. And now there are in Italy, only in Italy, there are like 250 a whole new life facilitators. There are really? a few in the UK, in wow. Spain, in, in, in Romania, in, in Bulgaria. So, yeah. Wow. And I in see that you've trained, you've trained over 50,000 people now in the yeah. methods that you yeah. do to yeah. change your life. Managers, entrepreneurs, yeah. teams. That's, yeah. I mean, did you ever imagine that 20 years ago when you, you started out? I guess maybe no, I did. Well, because you said you had this calling that you wanted to be, you know, have a life changing. You just wanted to be really serving the world in a bigger way. So maybe deep down that little kernel grew and blossomed and this is exactly where you're meant to be. But it must be pretty crazy thinking about it now and going, I just wanted to start. And all these people that have gone through your training and read your books, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? I love that power of being able to reach people and share your gifts and, and just then see those people take that on and continue it. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I had, you were right, you were right. I had this idea. I didn't have the how to get there. Mm. So the how developed along the way. When I started out, I didn't think about writing a book. I didn't, so I just knew I felt this, you know, call to serve, to do something. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'll share you something. Even now, I feel it's not enough. You know, when I look at the world now and how things are going, the pollution, the corruption, people, I mean, dying and for stupid wars, uh, animals, in, entire animal species uh, just washed out because of poachers, because of, you know, the stupidity of human beings. So I really feel I need to do more. Mm. And, and again, I'm in a stage in my life now where I don't know exactly what to do, <laughs> except try to speak more, you know, go more internationally. And, and again, in order to go internationally, I had to break one of my barriers, one of my resistances, which was, you know, make interviews in English and teach in English, because, of course, English is not my native language. Uh, and so, like a few years ago, probably it was when I started, it was around eight, you know, yeah, seven years ago. Uh, I started, you know, getting um, requests uh, for podcasts and interviews and, and even workshops in English. And at the beginning, my reaction was, well, my English is not good enough. My English is not good enough. <laughs> uh, and, and then I said, okay, but if my intention is really, you know, to do something for the world, then Italian is not big enough, you know. <laughs> and so... And so that's where I had to push myself in a way. So I think that we never, we can never say I'm higher arrived, you know. Uh, there's always a next step. And, and it's also fascinating. It's tiring in a way because it would be nice, you know, just to relax and sit down and, and say, okay, I'm here. I live in my comfort zone. Uh, from now onward but 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 it's not what I mean we are meant to do so yeah I know if we were to sit back and and watch tv and put our feet up then there'd be no world changing going on and at the end of the day it's the people who take that quest on and and really live up to it and go okay if it's got to be me 
it's those amazing people like yourself who are doing the work, who are putting all the energy in, who are tireless in their efforts to try and change people's minds and intentions so that they really make the world a better place. And I always think when you have a, a bigger purpose, obviously, than yourself, but just a big purpose, it's so much easier to do that. Not easy at all, but it's just easier when you have a really big why. And that is the thing that drives you. So how do you keep coming back to that why, even on days when you're just like, oh, I just, I'm exhausted, or I want to take a break, or gosh, I don't know if I can run all these retreats and I can't train all these facilitators. And I know you've got your business to a different point now, but when you were in the thick of scaling that and having these people come to you and training them up and seeing it go around the world, was there a point like back in your business days where you thought, gosh, all these people rely on me? Or has it been different because this has been a business built for your calling? Well, no, there were those days, those days in which basically I was doubting myself. Will I be able to really help people? Will I be able to really make a difference in the world? I mean, those people are relying on me. Will I let them down? You know, this has always been one of my biggest fears. So, and I think in a way, those self-questioning is not so bad because it keeps you humble. Mm -hmm. It keeps you growing. It pushes you to grow so continuously and to look for you know better methods better questions better you know exercises and better meditations and and so yeah and how I I keep you know the connection with with this calling I just ask myself why do I do this why is that important and this is one thing and the other thing I just look at the world like every time you know I I look at a human or an animal suffering or a piece of forest being destroyed, I feel so much pain in my heart that, you know, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. Even if this something is really a little thing in comparison to what could be done, but at least I try to do my part. Mm -hmm. I so hear you. And I'm feeling it more and more. And actually, maybe you can tell me, I'm such an animal advocate. And often I just get to thinking about animals around the world who are being mistreated. And it's not even like I've had that experience, maybe through all my travels, I've seen quite a lot. But I often just have visions at night or in the morning about these animals and I can like feel their pain. It's weird. It's only really started happening in the last year or so. People as well, but mainly a lot of around animals and I'm really curious about that so maybe that's my calling coming through more and more and more but I don't know it's a really interesting thing I haven't had that happen in my life before where I directly kind of tap into pain and I also sit back and then I'm like this isn't particularly helpful because me just take that with a grain of salt because it's it's like if I'm worrying here and stressing out about that or, or feeling their pain and feeling sad for them, that's not necessarily obviously going to help them. So I always try and flip back into the mode of, okay, what is a useful step? How can I take this pain that I'm feeling or this sadness or this grief on their behalf and do something good with it? Who can I volunteer for? What causes can I support to help the animals? But I imagine that you probably felt like that back when you were younger as well. It kind of doesn't feel like quite enough. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's absolutely the same. So what I do, exactly as you said, is how can I turn this pain into action? This is my question. Mm. Just for one animal. Much better way of putting it. How can I turn this pain into action? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just, you know, easing the pain of one animal, it will have made the difference for that animal. And for me, I mean, animals are, because they totally trust us. And we betray them. So, I mean, in, in such horrible ways. And they don't have money to pay for their freedom, to pay for a doctor or anything. They don't have a saying. They don't have a voice. So we need to be their guardians. We need to be there, you know, to speak up for them. If we don't do it, who else will? So it's really, and, and they are sentient beings. They're not objects. And so, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's really important. And I feel like that's also the same for us when we are serving our clients, our customers, our community, because I often feel this real sense of responsibility. If my friends, my peers, my clients, my coaching clients aren't seeing their potential, I feel it's up to me to help them see that and to recognize all their incredibleness and help them put it out there into the world. So it doesn't just, you know, it doesn't have to be the things that really are important to you in life. It's also the people you care about. 
Yeah, definitely. But if, because if they come to you, they trust you. And so we have to do something for them, you know. Yeah. Definitely, the same mechanism. So being there for the people, being there for the animals, being there for nature. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you combine that in, in all your teachings and coachings as well. I know you on a plant-based diet now um, and that you also incorporate meditation into everything. Do we just want to touch on, because I know this is a big important part of your work, why you feel that happiness and self-confidence really do come through meditation and yeah just daily yeah meditation. well yeah well because uh, meditation enables us to connect to our true self we live in a world when where it is so easy to get lost you know on false goals on false priorities and meditation even a few minutes of meditation i'm not talking about you know needing to meditate three hours a day i mean it's nice i sometimes do that but i I honestly I don't meditate three hours a day every day my basic meditations are like 20 minutes and some days I manage to do more but the, the minimum for me is 20 minutes and when I manage to do more fantastic otherwise 20 minutes are enough so um, again you know I mean something easy that can be done by everyone every day even the busiest person <laughs> And, uh, but those 20 days really make a difference on how you start your day because they, they, they set, you know, your energy for the whole day. And the idea is really to come back to your senses, come back to your breathing, come back to your soul and to listen to the voice of your soul. And then it becomes easier to understand what you really want and to have, you know, a clearer direction in life. And with, with meditation, another, as you already mentioned, another important part is gratitude. Because gratitude immediately uh, focuses our attention onto the positive rather than in the negative. And again, we live in a world where everything steers our attention, brings our, bring our attention to the negative. I mean, the media, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, uh, I mean, everything, newspapers. And, uh, and I'm not saying to not acknowledge the negative because of course it's part of life here in bali they say that you know life is a balance between darkness and light and it's true mm -hmm. so i'm not saying just pretend the negative is not there but at the same time our mind is so wired to focus on the negative and gratitude is a fantastic and very easy practice to focus our attention to shift our attention on on the positive on what is already good in our life it's just an amazing tool and it works so quickly even if i was speaking at an event the other day and it was a room full of men actually and they were probably the last people in the world who would meditate and i said you know if meditation is kind of not your thing at least try three gratitudes and the best time is you know first thing in the morning when you wake up and i said you can be grateful that you woke up and everybody kind of like laugh but it's true right just be thankful that you woke up to live another day that you're breathing that you can see that you can actually move when you wake up in bed and uh, i think they, they kind of really hammered it home to them but in a fun way they're like yeah you're right i think anybody can be thankful for that yeah because we give things for granted you know, and we, we, we don't appreciate what we have. And, and it, it's really, I mean, something that, that is so, um, so disturbing, you know, this, this habit of not appreciating what we have. And yeah. so when we start, you know, uh, a gratitude practice, your mood shifts, your energy shifts, your vibration get, get higher. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I know that we could carry on talking for a long time, but um, instead what I think I'm going to do is allow, I think you have a, a beautiful gift to leave us with today. And maybe that's a fantastic way for people to have more Lucia in their lives, in their life, sorry, and um, to find out more about your work, which we'll definitely link to in the podcast notes. But what was the gift that you, that you wanted? Yeah, I have a, I I have a free gift, with, which is a five-part video series challenge, and it's part of my method, A Whole New Life, and it's called the Five-Day Transformation Challenge. And, and the idea with this uh, video series is uh, really to help people to uh, create the changes they want, starting small. 
and to create a lasting change because that's the other problem you know how many times have we sworn to ourselves that we could change and maybe we did change for a short period but then we slipped back into old habits and got to square one so uh, of course uh, the, the, the access of change which is part of my method a whole new life is really what we need you know all the steps the procedure we need to create a lasting change so yeah beautiful well i'll link to that in the show notes and um and i'm looking forward to doing that actually i'm always a fan of people who help people take micro steps and incremental steps to actually as you said create lasting change and and form habits so that it becomes a part of your daily ritual and choosing the things that work for you you know you don't have to keep everything it's it's sticking with the ones that really resonate with you because you're much more likely to then keep those and continue to do them so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom your fascinating story uh, the trials and tribulations and obviously i think we're a bit lucky in this world that you stay true to your calling and gave everything up and decided to just go for it um, in a very brave move and, and modeling what you wanted to see out there so thank you so much Lucia. thank you natalie it's been a, a, an honor and a privilege to be here with you today so I really hope that you enjoyed my chat with Lucia. She's just a lovely soul and just so open and honest. I really love, um, yeah, her bravery, her vulnerability and the wisdom that has come from her own journey. I feel like we're kindred souls in the way in which we sort of just uprooted and shook our whole lives up and, and then tried to figure it out as we went. If you want to get her five-part free video series, which I've actually just been checking out, it's in the show notes at nataliesisson.com forward slash 031. And if you're enjoying these types of interviews, please let me know. I've been receiving some really beautiful feedback from longtime listeners, from new listeners, from friends, from peers. And it's so cool because I don't always know who's listening. Like I can see the tens of thousands of downloads that we're now achieving each month and it's been growing, but I can't see you. I just have this microphone here and I know you're out there listening. So if you can do me one favor, if you're enjoying this, if you're getting value out of this, could you tell a good friend? Could you tell a friend and say, hey, go and look up or search for Untapped by Natalie Sisson. I think you should tune in. I'm really enjoying this podcast. That would absolutely make my day because that is the best way to share the message and to have more people listening and so that they can benefit from what we're talking about here on this podcast. And also, if you have any great ideas for guests, for future topics, and I've got some amazing guests coming up and some fantastic discussions, please let me know. Drop me an email at natalie at nataliesisson.com. Can't get more simple than that. Or direct message me on Instagram at Natalie Sisson. I would love it. I love feedback. I love people saying, hey, could you get this person on the show? Or, um, hey, I'd like to be on the show and here's my story. So if that's you and you want to be here on Untapped, again, Natalie at NatalieSisson.com or at Natalie Sisson on Instagram. I'm just branded the same way everywhere. So hopefully it's super easy for you to get in touch. And I genuinely answer my emails and I love hearing from you. But for now, I just want you to tap into your own potential and go and make it happen.